this special length episode, you get to meet retired Major General Tony Przewoslowski. Tony grew up in Chicago, and he went from there to a, a day labor job at U.S. Steel to a, a start as an Air Force enlisted man to the Academy Prep School to the Class of 76 at the Air Force Academy. Upon graduation, Tony was a B-52 pilot, a B-1 pilot, and a B-2 pilot. He accumulated over 3,700 hours in 34 years of active duty service and became the vice commander of the AETC, the Air Force uh, Training Command. He's also the only pink uh, Panther 76 grad who has a daughter who is a, also a, an academy grad. Here is Tony Przewoslowski. John, got you loud and clear. Cool. You too. Well, I, I thank you very much for doing this. You are my first major general to join the uh, the series of con- <laughs> recordings. Probably, I'm thinking the only one. <laughs> Actually, I have another one waiting in the wings. It's a surprise. Oh, wait! It'll be a, it'll be the end of the season surprise. But I, I got to save this one. Oh, I'm thinking. I don't, you know, us, us GOs travel in small circles. So I know you, you've piqued, piqued my interest. You, you will, you'll like it. Everybody will know the guy and you'll, you'll get a kick out of his connection to our squadron. Our oh, good. Um, I want, I always ask the first question is uh, what message would you like to give to the incoming class, the current cadets, the recent <clears throat> grads and the old goats like ourselves? Okay. Um, great question. Uh, so John, you know, I was enlisted and I got into the Academy through the enlisted Corps prep school, then the Academy. Uh, there's no way I can get into it today, given the quality of, of, uh, cadets that are out there. But, um, when I got to the Academy, my only motivation was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. To that life. I grew up in Chicago, inner city guy, uh, working steel mills. And I just, I left Chicago because I had to get a different life. And that's why I took the Air Force. So I'm in, I get to the academy and I, I realized something different about it was that all you, you have to survive. That's all you have to do. You, you, yes, okay, you get on academic probation, but the next semester you get off academic probation because the system is set up there. The system at the academy is set for success. And, um, you know, there were a couple mottos I had, you know, it's only <laughs> a lot of reading if you do it. And if you wait till the last minute, you only got a minute to do it. So, that's what got me through the academy. I was not a academic star. Um, well, I, I can admit that you and I were on ACPRO together on, for one class. We, we, many a time, <laughs> many a time. The, the trick was that you could not be on academic probation twice because <laughs> then you had to go to a review board. So if you got on it, then you, you had to scrape and, and get you know, counseling, you know, I, I would park at the uh, professor, the, the, the teacher's desk and just say, you got to help me. I can't get on probation again. And of course, you know how they were, they would do anything they could. Yeah. But, but the real 
message, I think, you know, my sheepskin, you know, uh, I joke that I had to cater a lunch for my family because it was so long in the afternoon by the time they called my name. <laughs> and and I, I um, think you were one of the star grads compared to where I was sitting. <laughs> no, I was with, I was in the way back. But see, they don't do that anymore. They graduate by squadrons, not order of merit. Um, but the bottom line of my point in all of this is that never, ever in my career, 34 years, okay, yeah, I made two stars. How that happened, I don't know. But no one ever asked me for my transcript of the academy. It, yeah. it doesn't happen. And I've hired, and, and to be quite frank, I was always biased when I would hire uh, officers. I was always biased towards a grad. I confess to that now. You know, you couldn't say that. Sure. But I would always give the nod to the academy graduate because I knew what they went through. Yeah. Common, but again, yeah, but you know, ne I never gave transcripts of my college grades because nobody cared about that. Once you're in the Air Force, all they want is leaders. They want performers. They want people that will take a task and and do that task. And I, you never have to worry about it again. So you mentioned growing up in Chicago. Was it was it yep. like the South Side or where whereabouts? Yeah. Oh yeah, South Side, South Side. And um, the industrial part of, over by Gary or? Uh, no, it was um, uh, so Rainbow Beach, Calumet Park, U.S. Steel Plant. I actually walked to work from where we lived at U.S. Steel. And then you did this after high school or during high school? Um. Gosh, this is now we're going into a different story. Um, so <laughs> we have to get the whole show. <laughs> so, so I graduated from high school and I was a draftsman. I got hired by U.S. Steel, working downtown Chicago. I was there in '68 when Mayor Daly cracked some heads. Wow. Um, yeah, I was actually running to the train during that. Um, but. I then worked to go to school and I wanted to be an engineer and I went to Michigan tech Houghton, Michigan up in the UP to become an engineer. Well, it, that lasted only a year, or, you know, two semesters and, and I left there, went back to Chicago, um, went to uh, junior college. Uh, and then while I was in junior college, I was going into accounting and I worked at U.S. Steel as a laborer uh, in the labor gang, working uh, weekends. Jeez, and wow. then, you know, life, life was getting a little, uh, it, I was feeling surrounded. I had a girlfriend wanting to get married, yada, yada. And I said, I got to get out of here because <laughs> this is not what I, this is not what I want to do in my life. And that's why I enlisted in the Air Force. And so you enlisted to dot to get ahead of the draft or was that coming also um yes because i did have a, a a reasonable number that i'd be called up okay i just and i, and I don't i don't remember don't that 
yeah, a lot of people listening don't remember those days of kids getting drafted. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't think I was running away from the draft. What I was doing was I, I got to improve my position, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I thought, I thought the Air Force was the way to go. Just because, um, you know, the Air Force has a golf course at every base. <laughs> and what and the, the, hell? the club, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? You yeah. know, let's do that. So, so, so your that, first assignment, where, where'd you go? Of, uh, oh, as an enlisted person, I was at yeah. Edwards Air Force Base. I, yeah, there's stories there too, so right? So they take you, they I, take you from that, Chicago and they send you to Southern Cal? Oh my gosh, what a horrible yeah. decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you've been to Edwards, right? Yeah, you've oh, yeah. seen you've seen it's desert, man. It's desert. Yeah, but it was only back so, then, it was only an hour from LA, right? <laughs> yeah. So I uh, uh, was a computer operator, but in in the low seventies, a computer operator was a guy uh, as in you know one striper. I was punching cards to feed into the ibm boost yeah and we were we were reading test films and putting the data of the test aircraft into data cards and then that was be loaded and they would get the full uh parameters of what the airplane was doing interesting yeah and then yeah and then um then um when I was in basic training, Tech Sergeant Savoy, my TI, said, uh, hey, you. And he, <laughs> he was the, a master, John, of saying my name differently every time he would call me. <laughs> That's funny. I, I, honest to God, he was a master at it. And I could never figure out how did he know that. So one morning he said, hey, you, Prisba Slusky, um, <laughs> you need to go to the education center for, for some god awful reason. They want you to test for the academy. And I go, yep, okay. I went over there and and took the test. And when I got to Edwards, I never heard anything, so I checked it out. I went to the education center and said, "Hey, I took this test. How did I do?" And they said, "Well." They found that you have a medical issue. And I'm going, what? And they said, yeah, you you have a back problem. And I go, no, I don't. And (laughs) and so I went, they said, go to the flight surgeon. He'll check you out. And if you're good, we'll get you back in. So that's what happened. So then I, they sent me to the prep school, which was a hell of a time. We had so much fun there. Uh, Mike Gould was a classmate uh, of prep school. Randy Spetman was a classmate there at the prep school. And we always, when I see him here in Colorado, it's, it's always fun to, to yak about the old days. So I but need that's, to... that's, yeah, that's good. Now, now that's how that, we got in. Is that where you learned the idea of maybe going out for the fencing team? Uh, no, that didn't happen till my first year at the Academy. Okay. You, <laughs> yeah. Well, so... I heard, I heard a rumor that you were, you were a, an ideal fencer because you got on the jock ramps. So, yes, that was the whole motivation. <laughs> yeah. uh, opportunity. It's opportunity. So, um, you know, as a as a dually, you're looking around. You go, hey, what are those things? Those those other cadets that are just like yakking and 
getting extra food and all that. And they go, oh, that's the jock ramps. And I go, well, how do you get on? Why well, you got to make a team? Uh, and they, and they, I forgot. Oh, um, Powell. Powell was an upperclassman in 34 and he was a fencer and he goes, well, you know, fencing has the longest tables of the year. <laughs> and I go, well, that's, that sounded pretty good. And then there was that announcement from the staff tower. Anyone interested in fencing report to the East doors, you know? So boom, I, I tail it over there. And, um, I don't know if you, do you remember Slug Sluggo Chase. I mean, I Lewis remember Dorman. Yeah, he was in thirty five. Anyway, so I worked hard and and made the fencing team, and then I was on tables. I gained oh. about probably yeah for just God. It started. It it went into both semesters. Wow, it went into both semesters. Yeah, so. That begs the question, the tables were good because you got to eat and you didn't get harassed, but being one of the older dualies, how was that being yelled at by younger guys? Um, great point. It, it, it didn't get me until um, the, because again, I'm in 34 now, my basic year, uh, and there were a couple really real shitheads. And then during, uh, you know, recognition, uh, I almost blew it with a, a, a short little dude who was getting in my face. And I just, you know, I gave him, I gave him the cold hard stare and just said, knock it off. And you know what he, he did? It was kind of surprising because I was so angry at him because he's a little pipsqueak. Yeah. But, and, and we all know that there, um, uh, Dominic Macaluso. Okay. <laughs> that, that look, John, you know, the names that you remember, yeah, I don't. Dominic <laughs> Macaluso was a third degree in 34 and I'm a basic and he, he made everything about the fourth class system personal. And he was another short guy, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I keep saying short, short guy, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody, he, somebody, you're looking at the top of his head, not the bottom of his chin. Yes. Yeah. And, but, but he was, I mean, there was one thing about fourth class training and then there's those guys who took it like they're going to be the biggest swinging uh, person on, well, they, on this whole like, training system. Like they had notches on their belt. They wanted to see how many they could get to, to drive out. Yeah. They took it personal. Yeah. They were not professional. And and you the mentioned best, earlier that maybe that whole class had a problem because so many of their guys were quitting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the best part of Dominic Macaluso is how that story ends. Okay. I'm a one I'm a one-star general walking the hall of the Pentagon. And he comes walking by and I go, son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be doing that. And I he walked by me and I said, Hey, don't you agree to senior officer? And he looked at my name tag and I go, Yep, that's right. 
carry on. And that made my whole life complete. <laughs> so what was, what was his rank when he walked by? He was a he was a lieutenant colonel. All right, there yeah. you go. I just want to make yeah. sure he, yeah. we got yeah. that. Oh to, no, for the record, yeah, yeah. I would not go after a two star like that. <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so then you had well, I'm sure you had a series summer followed by what did you do that first summer after uh, dual year? Well, after Siri, I think I was cadre. Yeah, I was our squadron. That's okay. what I did. Our squadron. Okay. So and then the next one, um, there was a mandatory. And then my um, sophomore to junior was uh, third lieutenant Edwards. Oh, you went but back to I, I, Yeah, I can't remember the other, you know, the other period, what well, I did. I know, but I yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, some, at some point you had to do a BCT. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, at Edwards, so I was assigned to uh, test stops, and I was flying just about every day. I, I flew uh, F4, T thirty eight a ton, U two. I was in. Um, I mean, I heard, we, I heard about this U two thing. Now, how how does a cadet get a ride in a U two? Um, my sponsor was BC Thomas. He was a test pilot. He he would uh, fly all kinds of airplanes. Test pilots would show up and say, I think I'll fly the A7. And they <laughs> would take the EP test and then fly the T7. So he got me into the U2 and um, it, it, you know, it was, it, it's, you're in the back seat and you're doing, you know, slow turns, you know, compared to yanking and banking, pulling G's and, I flew um, back then. The big program for NASA was the lifting body, so they're prepping for the shuttle. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so I I flew with a test pilot, Mike Love, um, and it was such a great experience. It was a Friday morning. We had two NASA 104s chasing, and he would fly up to 40,000 feet and dead stick it back to the runway so he's simulating the lifting body landings mm. and the guy and i'm sitting in the back seat and the guy's not talking much you know <laughs> uh and i'm thinking you know i'm back here buddy uh what's going on and but he's not talking after that sortie i went to the the o club with him and on napkins he for you know, to me, it seems like hours, but it's probably only 10 minutes. On, on bar napkins, he was drawing out the profile of what he was trying to do throughout that thing. And it's oh, like, wow. holy shit, you know, <laughs> me and a test pilot. But the, the funny thing about Edwards was uh, the other guy. Uh, so I had BC Thomas, John Hoffman, and um, Pete Hartwick. And... Um, I remember flying with Pete Hartwick and, and I said, uh, are you a grand? He goes, yeah. I go, Oh, cool. What class? He goes, and he's, he's leading me on. And I said, well, what'd you think of uh, being there? And he goes, well, North Carolina state was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he said to me, he said, um, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, uh, right now I'm NAV qualified. And he goes, NAV? Wait, 
that's you, that's somebody sits in the back seat. Why do you want to do that? And I go, well, you know, I got a vision problem right now, and and they're saying I'm only nav qualified. And he goes, wait a minute. All right, here's what you do. Every two weeks, you go in for an eye exam. Eventually, you're going to pass that eye exam. And that's how I became a pilot. Oh, cool. I, I yeah, that I, I, again, I, somehow, I guess I learned where the E was and where the H was, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Jimmy so that Do, Jimmy Doe says, I think it was Jimmy, one of the guys said that her dad memorized the, uh, one of the lines and said it was if they're using a 1947 chart, that's the same chart forever. So maybe it was Greg Lewis saying that. Right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. They're, well, they're, but yeah. now here's the link to Greg. Here's the link to Greg Lewis. So I get to Craig Air Force Base for pilot training. Uh, the class starts and they give another physical. Oh, John, yeah. I failed the eye exam. And it was like, oh, shit. And <laughs> And and the only guy I know to call, and they're saying, okay, what do you want? You want to be a miss a missile officer or maintenance? Ooh. And I'm going, sheesh. And, and so I call Greg Lewis. And Greg Lewis says, well, let me ask my dad about it. Because remember, his dad was yeah. in the Pentagon when we graduated. Yeah. And so, um, like, the next day, my flight commander calls me and he goes, hey, I never heard of a Senator Przybyslowski, but guess what? You're back <laughs> on flying status. And Gre Greg's dad, bless his heart, I go every time I'm in D.C., I pay my respects at his grave. Honest to God, John. Yeah. Because that that guy and and he went he went up the chain and said, listen, we spent so much money on this guy. He wants to be a pilot. And now we're not going to let him. And so I got away. I, yeah, I got away. But that and, you and graduated the, by then. So I totally agree with Greg's dad. They, they committed so much energy to you. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I got the call. I was at home at lunch and with dear Priscilla and she made, um, uh, what's those things? Pigs in a blanket, hot dogs in a <laughs> and rolled up. And yep. so I was, yeah, I'm eating, eating those. And I get a call and they said, be here in 30 minutes you're flying so guess what happened my first dollar ride as you and you know what the ips do and and so i brought most of that in a little white bag home yeah you you, you wore it all over the cockpit well that's cool i that's, did that's awesome. no i i was able to get the bag out so yeah that that's that is the example for everyone the the cadets coming forward that's the example of what the brotherhood does for each other. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's how we, when somebody calls, we answer. And we, and we don't break the law. We don't uh, violate the honor code, but we do everything we can to, to help these guys. Oh, no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't misinterpret that to mean you can get away with anything. We, we, we stay within the rules. <laughs> Unless well, of course, uh, but so, but every every rule is waverable. Well, and every rule, I I love hearing that from you because um, you've somehow found yourself in a squadron two notches away from your dually squadron where there were apparently a bunch of characters. 
what was your what was your opinion or living with the pinks what was that like um there it it, it was everyone's focused you know my uh, you got to admit everyone was focused on you know we got to get through this uh, but we're all together doing it and then there would be these periods of mass mayhem of <laughs> of, of like what where'd that come from who's whose idea was that right i mean there were those but we are always you know we always were doing what we had to do to get through it um you know think of think as i think of you know the wayne perrin the pat murray the uh slim connors I, i mean um it just brings back uh uh True, truly heartwarming memories of how we did things. Um, uh, interesting story. Steve Jorgensen's brother, Mike, and many of us met him when he was a little kid because Steve would bring him around. Uh, he's he's uh, big in Colorado Springs now, and we see each other a lot. Uh, I did see Steve Jorgensen. Uh, he came up to town for an award that Mike was getting. So I was able to uh, connect with him. He, you know, I, I tried to say, well, what the heck? You know, let's have some fun. Yeah. But he's, he's, a, he's a little standoffish, I guess. I've talked to I him don't a know. couple times. I, I, oh, I, good, good, I good, actually, good. I'm starting to warm him up. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, he, uh, yeah, it, I, and I shared with him some of my personal stuff. So he, uh, he understands he's not alone in that, in that, uh, standoffishness with the academy the academy is a pretty rough place for everybody uh, yeah it is it is uh, one of the things i did um in the last couple of years i served as a um actually for 36 squadron i was the um uh spia squadron ethics advisor where um the uh, if if you had a violation of the honor code and they deemed you worthy of having probation hmm. i would be a mentor for that cadet while they were on probation and john i learned so much you know because our member when we were there i mean in the middle of the night there'd be a knock at the door somebody would your roommate would be gone and you you didn't know if you'd see him again and you it was like the you know, in Haiti, the two, <laughs> what, the, what were they called? The the guy with the black hats? Uh, two ton uh, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was like that. And so everyone, you feared the honor code. And the honor code is not meant to be feared. It's meant to develop your character. And yeah. so I, I switched from, you know, so many old old hats say, you know, the honor code has gone to shit and all that. No, it has not. It is better. How can you expect a kid that worked in uh, the labor gang in, in U.S. Steel to walk into the academy on that first day suddenly is an honorable person? 
you you're gonna make mistakes yeah you know i seem to remember in our day you had more more leeway your dual year then they really tightened it up after that i don't i don't recall personally getting in any trouble but i remember i had a roommate that i had to uh basically turn in turn in i told him i was gonna have to do it uh and turn because i didn't want to get nailed for toleration and uh he he got off with a hand slap uh he ended up quitting so he didn't graduate but uh the honor code was uh was like you say it was a fearful type thing but it yeah it, we, all, it, we all baked it into our beings and we were able to survive without violating it it i i i totally endorse where the honor code is today I really do. I, I embrace it. I see a difference. So the first cadet that I was assigned to, um, and we went through the process, and I never talked. I mean, they would, the, the person I was assigned, they did all the talking, and I was just amazed at what their feelings were. It was just a tremendous experience. But the first person that I did uh, two years later, three years later, I, I walk in to, to get the annual refresher course and the guy giving it the wing on a rep wearing all that silver is the guy I counseled. Wow. And, and I, I looked at him, I said, Charlie, <laughs> I can't believe it. And he, and he just said, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, great. it was like, you know, it, it was just such a rewarding experience to see that. Now, I also had a couple that did not work out, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not a perfect uh, group of people every time. You have to <laughs> right. they survive the four years. Right. Right. So uh, let's let's flip up the head now. You, you make it to, to Craig and then you go back to Southern California. <laughs> Yep, uh, Edward or not Edwards, but March, March Air Force Base. Yeah, and you, you were yeah. At, March. Was, and was oh, wait a minute, now you you missed you missed the okay. point of uh, my wife Priscilla, oh, who joined, yes, who, who joined me right after graduation. Um, we got married at the chapel, like I think two days later. I I mix up graduation date and weddings Uh-oh. often. Uh oh, but you know the the, the significance of it is that we're still married after oh, all yeah. this and, and three kids and proud of each one of them and you know so my whole life has as a result of the academy has changed me from being a member the only white guy in a labor gang at u.s steel to um having a complete life yeah. and it's because there's no doubt in my mind it's because of the Air Force Academy, of having that opportunity. And surviving those four years. Yeah, yeah. But it, you can, anybody could do it. John, you and I did it. Anybody <laughs> could do it. Yeah. I sometimes wonder how, how it happened at our house. But <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but, you know, a lot of it, too, was we, we each – uh, we we had somebody we could always lean on while we were at the academy. One of our classmates would say something to just say, "Okay, I get it now." Yeah, you know there, and it would be in very subtle ways. 
It'd be in very subtle ways how we would rely on each other. I remember feeling really mixed emotions on graduation day. Um, thrilled to be getting a diploma and getting out of there. Devastated yeah. that I wasn't going to see the guys again because I was going off yeah. to, going off to the Navy. I, I didn't know that I'd ever see anybody ever again. It was that was just a real tough uh, tough time. I remember. Um, we all connived. Remember you had to fill out your dream sheet uh, and rank, rank order your uh, UPT bases. And so we all connived together. We were all going to go to Del Rio. And for some reason, I put Craig as number two or something. And I was like the only guy that put Craig on the list. And so everybody went to Del Rio and, and Slim and, and Greg Lewis, they had boats down there. They just <laughs> had a gay old time. And I was at, um, I was there, uh, you're, Nate you're, Milliken was there. You were there, you're Craig with, uh, yeah, with Nat, Pete Mapes and uh, Kai yeah. Webb and uh, there were some yeah, other yeah, guys yeah, yeah. to Craig. So, <laughs> and yeah. I was down in Pensacola and I, I hooked up with you guys and we went up to a uh, Air Force Vanderbilt game one weekend. Oh my God. Oh, wait a minute. That Was that the time we rented the uh, the house trailer? I don't remember the house trailer. I just remember caravanning up in uh, a bunch of sports cars and, and trying okay. to find a place to stay up there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What what car did you get when you graduated? What, what was what was your car? I had a Lotus Europa. Oh, that's <laughs> that's right. I remember that. Hey, it was up. between it it was between you and Greg Lewis, who was <laughs> spent more time in the repair shop. Yeah, well, I I got forty miles to the gallon at ninety, and the cops didn't like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, yeah, cool. So, uh, Craig, Craig worked out okay because you ended up. Did you get your first choice of aircraft? Uh, yeah, I did because it was a B fifty two. In those days, if you volunteered for B fifty two, you got your base of of choice, and I picked March, and we loved it. And you went to get a master's there. Yeah, I got. Um, you know, when you're sitting on alert, because we we still had nuclear mission then. Um. Uh, so yeah, I, I bought my master's through USC using my VA benefits. Cool. And was that on campus masters or was that, uh, no, they came out, they, you, you did it at the education center. Okay. I, I, I thought maybe the overlap between March and, and, uh, USC, you could go back and forth to, to, for classes and stuff. I wasn't sure how that worked out. I, I did my master's before I did SOS. Oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I see that on your list. Yeah, yeah, because I, I figured, you know, I better get that done. I can always get SOS. So how did you like SOS? Um, I did that correspondence. Oh, okay, so you didn't have to go to Montgomery. Yeah. Nope, I did. Uh, never went to Montgomery for school. Huh. Uh, I did SOS correspondence, and in those days, you could take. <laughs> God, maybe I shouldn't be telling you this. Stuff. <laughs> I don't These, care. <laughs> no, but so you could take the test three times before you got sent back. So you would take the test. Okay, 
get the results and they would always tell you your where you failed so you would study up those questions go back take the test and normally you know that was my other thing that got me through the academy if the minimum wasn't good enough it <laughs> wouldn't be the minimum oh i had that motto too but i don't i realized later that it didn't apply to grades it applied to the pft <laughs> <laughs> and my subconscious wasn't smart enough to tell the difference. So you said you got through uh, the school with the uh, semi-open yeah, yeah. book deal where they'd give you the feedback. You can go correct the errors. Yeah. Yeah. Just through. get, get through SOS. Um, went to Guam then. Uh, Guam was a great experience flying missions out of there. Australia, Korea, um, came out of there to the old SAC headquarters at Offit. And I think that's started to, um, that's where I started getting, you know, a little, little bit bumped up. You know, I was doing well. I got staff assignments. Um, I remember getting called in to uh, um, the A5, or I think it was A5 at the time. But he said, hey, Tony, I need you to take a job. Um, I can't tell you what you're going to do, <laughs> but it would be, it, it's at Edwards. And I said, yes, sir, I'll take it. And that and, was a, and then the cruise I, missile thing, right? Yeah, the advanced cruise missile. And wow. at that time, it was a, a very deep black program. And that was late 80s, right? Yeah, and that's, I, I got promoted two years below zone to Lieutenant Colonel out of that job. Now, what did, what did you do? Uh, you don't have to tell any secret stuff, but what did you do that had you stand out to get that early promotion? Uh, I was the test director for the program and I had a complete team of engineers and uh, air crew members. And we just, we were the um, uh, crew that would fly the missions. Okay. To evaluate. I never played better golf in my life because every, every time every time we would launch one of those things, it would prank itself into the ground and we would sit down for six months during the investigation. Mm. And then uh, from the Edwards deal, you basically took that same similar title to the headquarters back to the Pentagon, right? Yeah, I was a PEO, they call it. Yeah, a PEM, I think. And, and I was, um, I would, I reported to the T-Star um, who, in acquisition. So I had the experience of the field and now I was doing the uh, Pentagon stuff with that. And uh, that was a really, it was a, a, a crap job. Nobody likes to work in the Pentagon. <laughs> Lieutenant but, Colonels or coffee mess officers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was, uh, I think I was just a major one. Yeah, I was a major. Okay. Major. And um, my boss just said, hey, what do you want to do next? And I said, you know, I just want to be a squadron commander. And, yeah. And that's that was the next assignment where I was sent to Loring as a squadron commander in B-52s, which was a great, it was a lot of fun. There's, you know, um Every every officer should strive to be a commander. 
Now you 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 may not be successful, but there's no job more rewarding than being responsible for a group of people, whether you know a squadron of a hundred. Uh, uh, you know, it just um, is amazing. It's to me, at least, John. It that's what made it my career the most rewarding. And, and quite frankly, I think out of 34 years, I was a command billet uh, 12 years of that. So, so after, after Loring, I mean, Loring, you were, you were a B-52 squadron commander. And then you got to go to yep. New Jersey? <laughs> Is that what I read here? No, wait. The, out of industrial college? Out of, of, yeah, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at at this Fort, up on New Jersey. <laughs> Fort, no, that's at Fort McNair there yeah. in uh, in DC. So I was uh, went to ICAF, and that's where I was. Uh, that's where I made Colonel. Uh, well, it was a, they they informed me I made Colonel at um, ICAF, and that was always you know we were the House of uh, um, Common and. The um, the other school was the House of Lords there at Fort McNair. <laughs> okay, so you were the you were the the guys that they made fun of or whatever. Yeah, and then so, I uh, from, the from there I went. Yeah, I worked uh, for the Department of Defense um, Inspector General, and that was uh, Van, uh, Vandershaft, uh, and he was. A political appointee. He was DOGIG at the time, and it was uh, I was the senior military uh, guy there. And when I was at the school, the assignments guys called me and said, uh, "There's an interview set up for you to go visit the people at DOGIG." And I and I go, "Okay, um, what if I don't like it?" And they go, "No, that's where you're going." And that was my assignment. <laughs> and it was, you know, it's it's a, a, a office of bureaucracy. But I got involved in some really interesting investigations. I'll bet that that were very rewarding, and I learned a lot about presidential actions and things like that. Cool. Um, so it it was good. It was a great great assignment. But you finally, and I wasn't in the Pentagon, but I was across the street. Okay. Okay. So, but you finally escaped and got to, uh, got to go to Dias. Yep. Yep. At, uh, um, when I got the call for that to go to the B1, I said, wait a minute. No, I'm a B52 guy. And they go, not any longer. You're going to the B1. <laughs> and I went, uh, went, went to Dias, got checked out in the airplane and became the, uh, operations group commander. And then, then that was, I guess that's a pretty good deal to go from that to uh, Ellsworth and being the uh, commander of the 28th. Yeah. Uh, during my tenure at Dias as the operations group commander, the guy I replaced, so as it always happens, um, you know, I got sent to the safety investigation board president course because I was an 06. And they, they always say, you know what? 
you're many there there are a couple of you guys in this room that when you get back to your base you're going to call to go do an investigation i got home friday from that course and got the call to investigate a, a b1 crash out of ellsworth with the guy i replaced tony b was the pilot on it mm. and no one survived it and that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done is to investigate uh, a crash and the people on the airplane you knew. Yeah. Yeah, I had to, I did a little bit of that stuff in my Navy deal and you end up, you're kind of a bad guy because you're doing a, I'm not sure what, were you a safety board or were you a JAG board? I, no, I was the safety. So I had, I had free reign on it. Yeah. Free reign. Yep. Uh, the thing, a couple of things stood out on the Ellsworth deal. One was uh, we dropped some bombs somewhere. Is that right? Um, Ellsworth did, that was the first time they were used in, in combat. And that was, yeah, Kosovo. Yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kosovo. Kosovo. I remember, um, so we were doing a modification. We were doing the towed decoy on it that was specially built just for the threat that was being used in Eastern Europe. And we never really tested it. Um, the contractor was assuring us we were flight testing, kind of flight testing in uh, off of in the Gulf. And I mean, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, think of, think of flying in a combat sortie and you're seeing, you know, the telephone poles coming up after you. Wow. And you go, okay, uh, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work. <laughs> and then. Then it's like, oh, it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good thrill there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I went, to, they were flying out of England, Fairford, and I went to visit the troops. And I'll never forget, 8th Air Force Commander Ron Marcotte said, I know what you're thinking. And if you think you're going to get on one of those sorties, you're not coming home. And it, because, and I go, what? Because that's that was my plan. Yeah. And how the hell did he figure that out? But that was my plan to deploy the troops. And he said, your mission is at home. You have to take care of of the families there. So uh, I did not fly combat. I've met John. I've never flown a combat sortie in my life. Hey, I, the only time I ever got shot at was doing FCLPs up in uh, Woodby Island. Farmer yeah. got farmer got tired of us at one in the morning. Took out our, our landing lights on the aircraft with a shotgun. <clears throat> um, yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, some people have to and you go and do it. And I, for a lot of times, the missions are are not as grim as what they think, especially not in this day where we have total air superiority for most part. Right. Right, but but that was Kosovo was the highest threat. Yeah, um, that the that the U.S. was flying in in a long time. Was it SA and, and you know, I think it was tens. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. 
so you know we were we you know and they're giving us you know percentage losses and all that and we're going wait a minute we can't lose a b1 <laughs> <laughs> oh. wait stop that stop that we're gonna be 100 percent return to base <laughs> um the the after we got everyone out of Ellsworth, all the crews, you know, we deployed, and I um, had all the spouses come to the O Club and let me talk to them. And so the mood was like, "Hey, what's going on? You know, what are you gonna do?" and all that stuff. And I go, uh, "I said, let me set the tone right now." Uh, in in the next 30 minutes, we're launching all of our B1s to strike their targets. And they went, oh, okay. <laughs> so they weren't as much interested in, you know, commissary privileges when yeah. I told them that. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to pour the ice water on the, on the party. Yeah. To get the message across. Yeah. yeah. Um, I need to ask you, in this Ellsworth deal, you also went to Columbia Business School? Um, yes, I did. You know, there's these grooming schools throughout your career. It starts with the, you know, it starts from SOS as the basic, and then you compete for other advanced schools. Um, and I was a colonel and I got selected for this, um, Columbia business school. It was at the Harriman Estates. And I don't know if you're familiar with New York, but right up there in the up, upper states, the Harriman, the family, you know, yeah, he was the yeah. ambassador Admiral, and all Admiral that. Herman, I mean, Russia. I mean, they, I mean, it was an exquisite course. Exquisite. And it was international. Um, very few military. I think there might have been out of 60, there might have been for military in it. And so it gives you the perspective of what international business is doing. Um, and I became famous in that course because I could get a tea time at West Point golf course. <laughs> so I, so I had, I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of friends. And then you went to something that was very near and dear to my my heart is the five oh ninth. Okay. And the Wait, reason, um, the reason I'm saying that you oh. have no clue about this, but my I was born in Roswell, New Mexico, and my dad was stationed in the five oh ninth. Oh wow! <laughs> and oh, our wow. first assignment after I was born was we went to Japan. So it wasn't he had to kind of keep quiet where he where he'd come from because that was not a popular topic in japan at the time. oh exactly <laughs> exactly so yeah um when when i left whiteman uh it was interesting because priscilla and i uh we poured our hearts into uh the 28th bomb wing i mean we worked so hard uh and then to have four days no you know travel time to get to your next wing, it was like, oh God, you know, it, it was very hard, John, when, when, yeah. you know, I show up white men, I'm thinking when I show up white men, I'm going, oh, this will be so much different because 
all these people are handpicked. Right. And and it was like the same old problems within people when I got to white men, just like Ellsworth. You know, hmm. you, you know, it was yeah. it was just and and it took me a while to get out of you know the, the state of remorse and 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 think about it and then i had ike skelton to deal with who was a, a fantastic he was just hilarious to work with um not hilarious but he was uh you know you do what was important to him very on so quirky, when i was at ellsworth a quirky, a quirky boss is what yeah <laughs> so here's here's another anecdote uh, story so i'm at at ellsworth and my boss calls me um, and says, uh, you need to get to Washington and, and Ike Skelton wants to see you. And I'm going, yes, sir, I'll do that. And he goes, no, you get on the first plane tomorrow and get to DC and visit with Ike Skelton. So I'm going, wow, it's pretty impressive. And so I show up at his office and, um, you know, in service dress thinking oh okay we'll see how this goes and for an hour john <laughs> i sat next to this guy with his chief of staff and he's asking about every ribbon i'm wearing <laughs> and saying how did you how did you get that joint meritorious service medal <laughs> and i'm going holy um well sir i it was when i was at sac headquarters you know, I'm going like, I'm freelancing now. I'm going, geez. And after an hour, he looked over at his chief of staff and said, uh, you call Johnny, Johnny Jumper, chief of staff, and just say, Tony, Tony will do for now. But it, it could change. <laughs> and I walked out of there going, what did I just experience? This guy's got a little power. You got promoted to B2s. Yeah. And then he, um, change of command. He's at the change of command. He shows up for that. And up at the gate, there was a mock-up of Enola Gay, a B29. Wow. And, and he said to me, um, all, all I want you to do is make sure you keep the bird shit off those propellers. <laughs> And I go, I go, yes, sir. And he, and then he said, no, you don't understand. I don't want to come in here seeing virgin on those propellers. I go, <laughs> yes, sir, I'll do my best. And, and, he, I, and so I made a deal with the chief of staff. You got to tell me when he's in Missouri because <laughs> I got to clean those propellers. And I would, I would go out there. I would be with the hose washing the propellers we yeah. tried everything we had hot paint we would change you know to keep that uh anti-light so birds wouldn't land on it put the but fake snakes and stuff. <laughs> the birds still still would shit on it and it would be damn but but he never he never fired me which oh, that's good. it could have happened he he was very very powerful because he was the one that put the B2 into the budget. He made that happen. Wow. Because he knew it was going to whiten. 
and that I think I think I got this right. You uh, you guys uh, did some Operation Enduring Freedom exercise with those guys. Uh, from Whiteman. Yeah, is that yeah? Is that yeah. Right? yeah. Well, now you're talking nine eleven, right? Well, I'm I'm just yeah. talking about flying the B B two from Missouri to Afghanistan and back in a in a mission. Right, right. Right. What what kind of area, um, what what do you what are you allowed to share about that? How, so how the um, all that many many people don't know that um, on on the morning of nine eleven was the culmination of global guardian strategic command nuclear exercise. So the entire nuclear force was generated. Uh, to culminate that morning. So I had X number of B2s fully loaded with their nuclear complement. Um, the guys are gals are on, in the alert facility. And that morning was the klaxon, which simul simulated the launch of the entire nuclear force. Mm. And, and I'm on the flight line. I'm in my white top. I got my command chief next to me and my exec in the back seat. And my exec says, hey. And, and we also had the IG there, the inspector general evaluating us. And we were just kicking ass. We were rocking and rolling. We, we, I actually put more alert planes than required by the, the, the war plan just to say in your face, IG, you know, that's what, how you yeah. become, you know, you, you, you want to see something? I'll show you something. <laughs> and, and, and so right as we're out there, clacks and sounds, the crews are running to the airplane and my exec in the back seat says, Hey, sir, did you hear that on the radio? Some idiot just flew into the world trade center. Wow. And, and I go, man, FAA's got to do a better job controlling the <laughs> the licensing and airspace. Oh yeah, yeah. And so we're high fiving. the The exercise is over. We kicked ass. I'm coming. I, I'm thinking I'm gonna be either excellent or superior. You know, I'm getting I'm getting all trumped up. And then the command post said, calls on the radio and says, Alpha, report to the command post. Real world. And so we drive over there, and as I walk into the command post, open the door, I see the second jet on the big screen hitting the tower. Wow. And it was like, oh, shit. Um, so, you know, yeah. So we immediately go lockdown. We go, you know, Delta, which is stay in place and all that stuff. But, John, we have a elementary school on base. Yeah. So so I get a call from the front gate. We're in we're in you know, we're in battle staff, right? Sure. And and I get a call from the gate and they go, Sir, we got we got a line of cars outside the gate. They're honking, they want on base, we gotta let them on, or what are we gonna do? And I said, well, Holy smokes, that's all the moms want to get their kids out of school. And, and the the security force guy says, "Sir, we're in Delta. We can't open that gate." 
And I go, you want a terrorist attack? That's the definition of a terrorist attack. You get you get a hundred moms <laughs> at the gate. They're gonna ram it. Yeah, they're gonna definitely. they're gonna ram it. I said, listen, you you put a perimeter or whatever you have to do, but you open that gate and let the moms get their kids and get them. Yeah, get them home. <laughs> get them away yeah, from the Air home. Force Base. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, and I'll tell you what, you know, we're in middle of Missouri. All the farmers around us became our own militia. They were watching the roads. We were getting calls 24-7 that, hey, there's a strange car parked outside the gate. You know, I mean, it was just people just responded. They they came. You know, they were Americans. Yeah. No, we, they knew we that. The only sound we heard uh, in the sky, usually we have a lot of either commercial aircraft or Boeing aircraft or private aircraft in Seattle. And the only sound we heard for a week were F-15s coming out of uh, Portland. Yeah. 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 That was a very, very interesting uh, time. And and Whiteman became a a drop-off point, a central location uh, for responders. They were airlifting them from all over the country. They would meet at Whiteman was one of ba- many bases and then fly him to New York city. And I met with all those guys and, and every time they'd come through, I just tell them, watch what's going to happen. Don't worry. We got this. We're, 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 we're going after it. Cool. Well, thanks for, I mean, thanks for being there at the time. I know, I know it's a, it was a very stressful time for everybody. I'm glad you, but your, you know, it, your leadership came through. But it, it I, um, I didn't have to do anything. I mean, ever it was amazing to watch what how everyone jumped on board, all hands on deck. What does it take? What well, I'll do whatever you ask. You know, I, you don't even ask have to ask me. I but mean, I. I I would I would sit there and go, hey, let's let's put those nukes in the barn and load them with, you know, uh, two thousand pound JDAMs. And my chief would look over and he goes, sir, we're all it's already we're about done. You know, I'm going, well, wait a minute, you could do that on your own. They go, they just look at me and laugh. <laughs> yeah, but I think so, that yeah. my point is you you had the you had them trained properly. So they were ready to hit the ground running with the right, right response. Yeah. And you yeah, know, I guess you, so. you weren't the quirky guy at the top of the, the top of the heat doing weird stuff. So that helped too. <laughs> Tony, Tony, I mean, you're, you're, you're a stable guy. It's, it's good. It's, you know what I would do during, you know, my favorite thing was during these, you know, we do all these, exercises and you know you'd have to wear all your mop gear i don't even know what it stands for anymore you know the the chemical suits and everything so i would put all my shit on and not put my name on my helmet and i would go in i would go into the shelters and i'd sit down with a bunch of people i go how's it going they go this is bullshit i go you're (laughs) right this is bullshit And I would just be going along with them. And then they'd give the all clear and I'd take my shit off and they'd go, oh my God, sir, I didn't mean what I said. Yeah, you did. That's okay. 
whoever's running this yeah. thing ought to be shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I totally agree with you. You are right. <laughs> so from that, from but, that, it was no longer flying after that deal or what? Uh, wait a minute. Um, I went from Whiteman to Air Combat Command. Yeah, that was non-flying job. Okay. Um, and then in there, there was gosh. a harvest. There was a harvest. How much time you have? Oh, how much time you have? Until the battery runs out. (laughs) Okay, so so I'm at Langley. I'm a one star. I'm deputy A three, and we get called. All the generals are called to Washington for uh, what they call. There was a special name for it, and it was you know the chief of staff was going to hold a you know all general officer call. So we're on an airplane flying from Langley to DC and my boss has a newspaper and they, and he says, Hey, look, um, there's this, there's this uh, wedding party shooting in Afghanistan. And um, wait a minute, they're going to appoint an air force general to be the investigator. And we all look at each other. We're all in the airplane. We all start laughing, going, sucks to be that guy who gets that one. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and, and so we go to the meeting. Everything's cool. There's a little reception. And my boss walks up to me and goes, sucks to be you. And I'm going, you're kidding. He goes, yeah, you, you're, you're the investigating. You're the board president for that wedding party shooting. Oh wow! So within within three days, they had all the airlift. I went airlift from Langley to Dover, Dover to to uh, Frankfurt, Frankfurt to <clears throat> to Bagram. So I was there. You know, I think I took off on a Thursday and wound up in um, Bagram Saturday morning. And the press is there saying, "So what are you going to do?" And what if you can Google this? There was ever there was a village that supposedly had a wedding celebratory fire, and the air power just shot the hell out of the village. Mm. And so, so I was tapped to investigate that. And I remember calling Mosley, who's the air boss there. I said, hey, hey, General, um, I'm it. I'm coming in. And you got any advice? And he just said, yeah, just don't fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, yeah, I got that. Okay. Okay. That's kind of the the normal comment. Yeah. Oh, my. So uh, I spent uh, 45 days in, in Afghanistan. Um, it, it was a tremendous experience. Um, and what we found, uh, I gotta be careful. Yeah. Um, Don't, don't, don't. It it was not, it was not celebratory fire by, you know, the, the gunships do have video. They record everything. And we were able to, to demonstrate that it was an aircraft fire that was shooting at the gunship so that's how and it became then you know it became a non-event 
you know. Well, but it was it was it was um, I could I could go into greater detail on that one. But it was another another life life experience. So, so yeah, that's that's and then from that you get to go to uh, Harvard. Is that right? Oh no, you go to Harvard. Uh, Somewhere in there, I did do Harvard Business School. And you did the national uh, was a great opportunity. Yeah. You did National Defense University. I'm sorry. I got those out of sequence. Yeah. National Defense University was back in the day of ICAF. That's where oh, I was. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Then I did Harvard, uh, which was, I think it was still a colonel then. Yeah. I was a colonel. That was. That was out of uh, Whiteman, I think, before I pinned down. Well, the the time the time thing I'm looking at says it was 05. Okay. And then 05 was uh, Randolph. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I was um, in 05. I was at uh, Air Force Personnel Center. And that's Randolph? Yeah. Yeah. And you became the head of all the training or the vice com of all the uh, training? No, I was the executor of the entire personnel system. Oh, wow. Yeah, all the assignments and everything. You know, how, it was a sausage factory, John. I mean, nope. nobody was... wanted to make you mad. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because at the beginning, I mean, I had thousands of friends. Pete Hardwick, yeah, yeah. who I haven't flown with. Who haven't flown with since being a cadet? He's calling me, looking for a favor. <laughs> I mean, it came out. They came out of the woodwork. But as time progressed, it was um, I had less and less phone calls. <laughs> well, you, they got their assignments. Yeah. They, were, they were done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was interesting. And then I'm curious. You finished up. It looks, looks to me like you finished up your uh, Air Force career back at Pete Field. Um, yeah, at the end there, I became special assistant to uh, Space Command. Space, and that was that was. Sorry. Yeah, I I couldn't it figure was, out my acronyms. Kind of run out after a while. I couldn't. I didn't know what AFSC was. Well, I'm glad you said Space Command. That makes more sense now. Yeah, yeah. And from but, that, but you. Then, uh, I was also the vice vice commander at uh, Education and Training Command. Yeah. After I after I left personnel, I became the A three and then the vice commander, and that was when I got back into the cockpit. So that was cool. So you got to fly at in at Randolph. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! And what what still B fifty twos or B ones or what was that? No, I um the trainers. I flew the trainers, but then I also um, did all the in, uh, initial training courses. So I flew C seventeen, um, uh, T six. Um, uh, Mark Welsh and I uh, went to Wichita Falls one time and picked up uh, two brand new T6s to fly back to Randolph. That was really a cool event. Huh. So when all was said and done, how many different airplanes did you end up flying in? Do you, know, do you remember? 
Well, uh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, you don't, I don't, I don't, I won't. I'm sorry. I'll get back to you on that one. (laughs) More more than than 10, probably. Um, Yeah, but, uh, you know, I always look at it from a point, you know, what did I get qualified in? Oh, okay. But, but, yeah. But uh, I flew C-17. Yeah. Yeah, I flew the C-17. I had one sortie, and there were two young captains, academy grads, and it was hilarious because we were, you know, they were they were seeing what the old man can do. You know <laughs> what I mean? It was it was it was a good time. We we gave each other shit. And all those flying experiences, thirty seven hundred hours is what I found. Did you ever have any close calls? Um, scared? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've got many. Uh, stories in the B-52 where it's like, holy shit, what the, wait, what's going on? Uh, in the B-1, uh, flying supersonic at 500 feet above the ground uh, in a red flag is pretty scary. Um, B-2, no, nothing. Because I, you know, that now I'm a little more senior officer. So I chose who would fly with me. I always made sure that that person was the most qualified. Or at least a I, mean, I would, I would, every time I'd fly as a general officer, whoever I flew with, I'd say, okay, look, you, if you're net, if you are ever uncomfortable with what I'm doing, take the airplane. I have no, and we'll talk about it on the ground. Because the only difference between you and me is my name will be above your name in the memorial program. <laughs> so, so let's, our mission, you keep me safe. And it, because, you know, there were general officers, there's horror stories about how they would never relinquish the airplane. Yeah. And, and they'd fly it into the ground because they think they're, God's gift. Well, I never, I never felt that way. Honest <laughs> to God, I, I would, uh, I would always take the airplane from me. I, yeah. I remember going into Langley, and we were going through some thump, some bad weather, and I kept asking, you know, the my my seeing eye dog, are you okay? Are you okay? Are we all right? <laughs> goes, yes, sir. We're all right. We're all right. And we land, and you know, most of the paint on the airplane is stripped off. <laughs> and the guys are all like, yeah, we're, we weren't okay. We we're just talking into it. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to uh, make sure we cover three things where uh, maybe you weren't God's favorite all the time, but you were pretty favorite by the, a couple of outfits uh, that I think are pretty cool. One is the uh, Central Missouri State University. <laughs> <laughs> yes you got yes. A, you got an honorary, you got an honorary i i am an honorary doctorate from central state missouri missouri state um they have not given me a prescription pad yet and i keep asking for one because i want to write my own scripts you know what i'm saying well i'm thinking it's more like a phd but it, it's uh it's 
from from my recollection, it's pretty cool to go from Act Pro at the Academy to an honorary doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of you for that. That is that is phenomenal. John, I used that in my my speech to the to the graduating class. I said, "You won't believe my academic standing." <laughs> And then, and then, but, and I'll, so you're talking about graduating speeches. I know you are a Hall of Fame member of the prep school. Yes, I am. I actually, uh, yes, I'm a Hall of Fame member, and I am a exemplar of the class of class. Yep. Yep. And matter of fact, at the tailgate um, for the Navy game, you know, I come walking up. And this young man comes up to me, goes, sir, you're my exemplar. And he pulls <laughs> off the coin and I'm going, holy smokes. So what, what, so what do you so, get? You get a coin for that? Yeah. They put a little, you, you know, they make a personalized coin. Uh, my motto to them was uh, range and payload, as you can imagine. <laughs> okay. and, and, you know, I spoke to them on uh, a couple times and it was just, about you know, it's only a lot of reading if you do it. <laughs> Don't let academics interfere with your education. Is that the model? There? Exactly. <laughs> that is awesome. And uh, I guess the the one final thing for the old goats listening in, they were sticking with us through this whole thing, is uh, you are, I believe, our only squadron classmate that had a daughter graduate. From the academy. Yeah. Uh, oh, is it? Is that true? From, from um, all the people I've talked to, I don't think any one other guy had a son, but uh, I don't believe anybody else had a, a child. And oh, and, neat. And neat. your daughter's done quite well, from what I can tell. And just curious if you want yeah. to comment on that at all. Um. Wow. There are proud moments, and there are prouder moments and and that was the proudest moment of both persona for her to graduate from there really special and and i i run into so many people now you know like uh, former military people and they the first thing they say is how's your daughter doing so she made an impact in the air force um she now is starting her own career. She's starting her own company. She's on to something. She is, a, she only accepts success, which is interesting. And again, there's another example of what that institution does to people is you don't have to be in the Air Force. I mean, you, you, what what you take out of the institution is what it creates in inside of you that you strive for greatness and do good things whether you know all across the board it's not about making money it's about making people better you know the the nonprofit world it's all across uh, everything we do it's it's all it's just making life better for others and and i uh i also noticed that you were on a board of directors for a nonprofit. 
Uh, yeah, I was chair for uh, chair for uh, Homefront Cares. We merged, um, and it was all about support to the veterans. Okay. Um, and 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 give what we did is provide financial support um, in time of need. You know, when that electric bill comes at you and you just you're in between jobs or something like that, we took care of it. I think uh, we repair, we paid the the car repair bills so you can get to work, that kind of thing. And and Tony's being somewhat modest. One of the you don't, and I, I want the group listening this to know this. You don't have to be a general officer or an academy grad to get involved with a a good charity, something that's close to your heart and help. It'll help you network into great things. If you, uh, if you take it to heart and just, uh, Oh my gosh, that, that, huh. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's not, it, you're in it, not for you. You're in it for them. Yep. You know, you're, you're, you're just trying to make a little difference to somebody else's life. That's what's important. That's what's important. And, and if you do that, you're going to sleep better at night. You're going to, you're, you're going to have that feel good feeling and, and you'll sleep good at night. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> uh, I guess the last topic and, and we don't have to go into this too long is, but you're, you're probably the oldest cadet in our class, weren't you? I think so. You and you and uh, Quavis were fighting it out, and I thought there's, there's, yeah, there's. uh, I'm in, I'm in the top. I know that. Maybe I'm in the top three. And I'm throughout the cadet wing. I'm curious if they, if they rolled Lee Quavis into our squadron after our sophomore year to try and mitigate the chaos, the mayhem that you were talking about, because you were you were unable by yourself to keep us in line. <laughs> do you ever do you ever get a chance to talk to the admin to say how do they assign people to squatters and what do they do when they get a clown show like we were? <laughs> yeah, but see, I think we did a great job of disguising it. You know, our Will Will. You know, we we had Wilcox, Alvarez, then Wilcox. Yeah, and I mean, I think we. Uh, convince them that we had our act together. Well, I think in little the case did of they Alvarez, know. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> little did they know that you know we we kind of snowed them. You know, I think in the case of Alvarez, we held him uh, hostage a little bit because he gave us all food poisoning one time. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh my goodness! Oh, that—that's a memory, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the bus, the hallway, the <laughs> the corridor, just the, the oh my, the, awful. The, oh gosh! Oh. It was just all preparation. Oh my gosh. COVID and quarantine, you know. <laughs> yeah. Getting confined. Well, Tony. If only. Think... If only. Okay, go ahead. I was just gonna say. Yeah, we're ready to wrap it up unless you wanted to talk talk about Boeing at all. Um, no, Boeing. Uh, Boeing's been very good to me. Um, you know, we got dealt a couple 
unfortunate incidents. I mean, uh, but but no one's given up. No one's given up. Everyone believes in our product. Uh, on the defense side, Boeing is doing amazing things from space to aircraft uh, to command and control. Um, it's it's really. Uh, I think it's a it's a good time to be associated with Boeing. All right, cool. Well, I'm, I live up here near the Everett's plant now, and uh, they're not as happy as you are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, an interesting show they've been putting on the last few years. Well, they have to get you have to you leave it behind you and move forward, right? Yeah. yeah. You gotta make it better. I mean. I don't know if I, you know, last night that PBS um, frontline show on the Max was very damning, and yeah, maybe we did some bad things, but but there's other elements about, um, yeah, you know, we do need we do need people sitting in the seats that know what they're doing. Yeah, I was going to say the the academy will teach you that you're going to run into run into tough situations, priorities coming at you left and right, and you've got to be able to sift through the garbage and find out what's going to keep you alive. And that, yeah, I think what Tony's trying to say is, you know, that airplanes are not built to be run by geniuses; they're they're built by geniuses to be run by average people. And sometimes those people are below average, and that's not good enough. Right. Good point. Good point. And that's why you have to be the best you can Yep. be, you know, if, if whatever your career field is, um, you need to rise, always be striving to rise to the top of that career field. And that's how you'll succeed. Come up with new ideas, be innovative, be uh, open and transparent, uh, respect each other. All of those things will make you successful. Well, Major General Przybyslowski, I got to thank you very much for this. Uh, we're running out of, uh, I think, people's patience. <laughs> this will be our. Longest. I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is wonderful. That it's a podcast. I'm so they, sorry. They can they can listen and pause and come back and catch it whenever they want. Um, I this has been wonderful. I appreciate this. John, I thank you for uh, letting me relive memories. Uh, and that's another point. Don't live in the past. Strive for the future. You, you know, too many people say, oh, I did this. I did that. You know, back in the day. Nah, that doesn't mean squat. All people want to know is what you're going to do for me today. And that's, that's really what you got to uh, embrace as your mantra. And I think for the younger folks listening to this, the uh, the fact that we still have a sense of humor and a good attitude 50 years later is a, is a key component to this thing too. That, 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 yeah. That's, you, that's, I, yeah. If it's not, if it's not fun doing, don't do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you very much. John, John, thank you for this opportunity. I mean, I, I was, suspect of where you're going with this uh but um given well given your past 
when you were a cadet. You that would, was 50 years ago. You, yeah, I know. You would you would be all over the map, and you'd always wonder, where's Hope going with this one? But, so, I, this is really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. Well, and I appreciate what you're doing. I'll send you a copy before we uh, go publish. Mm-hmm.